The Raw Rugby Podcast. Hello and welcome to the Raw Rugby Podcast. I'm Brett McKay. Four games played over two weeks and everyone has one win in the Rugby Championship. And your place for the biggest and best rugby discussion is the raw.com.au, Australia's biggest sporting debate. Uh, a great chat with Ian Payton in Argentina last week, followed by Harry's brilliant rugby conversation with Stuart Lancaster and Nick Bishop. And thanks to everyone who got in touch via the various means, you could do the same under the new episode page each week on The Raw, or you can hit us up on the socials. Joining me this and every week, a man who might be getting as tired of logging on to Zoom as I am after this last week, Harry Jones. Hello, mate. How are you? How's it, Brett? We see each other so much now. Uh, it's <laughs> amazing. Is- I- I could even podcast. notice if you had a haircut. <laughs> I have. I did. I did. But I actually did that two podcasts ago because this is the fifth one we've done in 10 days. It's uh, it's quite a, it's quite incredible how many we've done. Um, and we've got a little bit to say about that uh, later too as well. Uh, but, mate, let's get straight into this. Another great guest this week um, and one who will give us some excellent midfield depth for the Pod 15. The Raw Rugby Podcast. We head to the podcast Brisbane Studios this week, and from there, it's a very warm welcome to the Royal Rugby Podcast, the former Queensland and two-time World Cup winning centre, stand sport commentator, and someone who loves a press box pie as much as I do, Tim Horan. Hello, mate. Hey, Brent. Uh, Harry, thanks for being on the for having me on the show. It's a big honour, mate. I don't. Uh, this is, I think, mainly my second podcast ever, and. Um, Mate, I wanted to wait till I got to the top three podcasts running in Australia to come on your show. So. You've come, you've come straight to number one, mate. That's I was, I was going to mention this. You said this to me a, a while back that you haven't done a podcast, maybe, maybe ever. I'm, I'm, what, why, why have you held off for all this time? Um, mate, I just one, you don't get time, but two, you know, you've only got a certain amount of sort of things to talk about, and. <laughs> You know, the podcast, <laughs> podcast, I think I did one about five years ago, a mate of mine who uh, was at Fox Sports, I did one with them, and um, yeah, I've just sort of politely said no, but uh, I love what you guys have done for the game, and I think it's important, mate, when you look at, you know, where we sit in Australia, in Australian yeah. sport, where you've got Aussie rules, and of course NRL are very popular, and, you know, any means to try and promote the game of rugby, not just to, um, you know, the professional game, but also the club game, and you know, what we do on Stan Sport with, you know, club footy with Andrew Swain on a Tuesday yeah. night with Clubland. Clubland. Things like that. I, for what you guys do, it's um, it's fantastic to, to spread the love of the game. No, good on you, mate. We appreciate it. Now, um, I mentioned a press box pie. You, you're not above a press box pie, are you, Tim Horan? <laughs> I'll tell you what, one of my favourite places to, to travel is in Canberra on a cold sort of, you know, May, um, Saturday or a Friday night. And the Villies pies. The Villies pies. Like, you can go, I reckon you can go anywhere around the world and somehow Villies get this pie and it's 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 medium to hot. It's not so you can dive into it because we, you know, when you're there with Sean Maloney, who probably has three of them before he commentates, you, you, you've got a stage where you race up from it, you do it, you do downstairs and you do mm. some interviews and then you've got about, probably about, it's about 90 seconds to get from the ground in Canberra up to the box yeah. to start commentating. So you make 60 seconds, you're up in the box, then you've got 30 seconds to devour a pie and sauce just before you start to <laughs> yeah. announce who's in the, in the front row for the Brummies or they're playing. Yeah. So it's a, it's a, it's a, a knack that – and those Villies pies are not too hot, but they're just right. They're so just good. I think my they're record's good. four in one night. 
<laughs> Harry, these are you've you've got to you've got to get get one of these into you one day. They're just one of the great joys in life. Um, the 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 issue for me, Tim, is that if I happen to have one pre-game and we're about to go to air, if I haven't quite finished it, Tim Gable up in the ABC Sport commentary box at Canberra Stadium can see me eating, and he's not above asking me a question when I've got my mouth full. <laughs> Has happened. <laughs> Numerous times. I'm pretty, but... I'm pretty sure that Shawnee Maloney has actually commentated with a meat pie in his mouth. I mean, I'm <laughs> sure of it. <laughs> he's, I can absolutely confirm he's commentated with one on the go. I, I absolutely well, know that. One of the goes. tricks is because in, in Suncorp Stadium, we've got a lovely lady next door who brings in um, party pies at half time. And at half time, you get a bit more time. So, mm. Sean, sort of when you come back on air at half time, you sort of announce that, you know, it's it's 20 points to six to the Reds or whatever. And then he sort of throws to me so he can dump, jump into about three or four <laughs> <laughs> mini pies and little party pies. And yeah. I always sort of, after he takes the bite of the fourth one, I throw back to oh, Sean, what do you think about that? And he's got a pie shoved yeah, in. So, he's doing uh, that one. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah, exactly. Hey, Tim, uh, Tim what, are your, what are your 10 takeaways, Tim, so I could eat for a long time? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, you know when he's been asked a long-winded question, that's because Maloney's tucking into pies. Absolutely, yeah. absolutely. Uh, fun times, mate. You've been you're just saying to us you've been commentating for twenty years now. I mean, that's yeah, one way been, to make you feel old. Yeah, it's um, it's funny. Like I, I finished playing for the Wallabies, of course, in end of two thousand series, and then I went across to the UK and played for the Saracens for three mm-hmm. years under Francois Pinot, which was great to play under Francois and hear his stories about Nelson Mandela and. And that 95 World Cup and what that meant to um, not just rugby in South Africa, but globally. Um, and then I finished. Uh, I had an opportunity after finishing three years at Saracens to then go and play one season in Italy. And I thought, oh, that'd be great fun. Well, I got a call from Channel 7 and they said, listen, uh, Rugby yes, World Cup right. is coming up in 2003. Um, would you like to come on board in June and have a trial and commentate for the Wallabies and against England. They played a three-test match series before that World Cup. And, I said, oh. and then I thought, well, I'll either have a year in Italy or I come back and and get a job. You know, because you, yeah. you <laughs> to try and work out what are you going to do. Um, I did that, um, and Chris put a hand. He's never forgiven me because he reckons I took his job, which I did <laughs> Channel Seven for about. <laughs> That's true. About about eight years. Uh, so myself, Dan Crowley, and Gordon Bray. For That's about right. Eight for years. a long time. Yeah. Uh, and the great thing about, and then we went, then I went to Fox Sports for 10 years and now, of course, had a couple of years at Stan Sport and Channel 9, which is great to grow the game. But I think Gordon Bray, you know, he was always called the voice of the rugby. Voice. And yeah. I started I started something with Gordon that every side we played, every test match, we were just doing the test matches then, not super rugby. And, and so I used to bring in the drink that would relate to that international team. So if we were playing... If the Wallabies were playing on, I'd try and somehow get a couple of – I'd smuggle into the stadium three big cans of Guinness and Dan Crowley, myself, and Gordon Bray have a, have a skull of Guinness before we call. But And it was funny because one time – I think we were playing uh, – we played Scotland and I brought in some haggis and some bits and pieces. And, and we played Fiji one day and I didn't know what to bring in. And I was carver. I couldn't find any carver. So I brought in a couple of shots that you could buy at the 7-Eleven of those cock-sucking cowboys, the little shots. <laughs> so, so you can imagine seeing what? Gordon Bray having two, two of these shots just before he's about to call the wallabies running out. Uh, I don't think he slurred his oh. word, but he slurred a couple of words. And he said, oh, I'm not going to do that again. So it was good it's fun. A, but, it's, it's a concoction yeah, like, of Kalur and, Kalur and 
That's it. Oh, yeah, Bailey's or something. Bailey's yeah, and yeah, yeah, something sure. else. Yeah. In, oh, I don't know what it is. You'd have to look it up, Harry. Probably just but, uh, pick, yeah, pick the right bar to ask for yeah, I mean, the 20 years has been is gone pretty quick, and you look mm. back at, you know, hopefully you can, like all the other commentators, that we bring something to the game. And and I remember talking to Bill McLaren, the great commentator from Scotland who passed away uh, a while ago now. He came out to Australia with the Scottish team, was commentating, and I said to him uh, through that World Cup, I said, Billy, I'm just started to do some commentary. You got any advice, any tips? And he said, he sort of put his hand on my shoulder and said, Timmy, my laddie, he said, don't tell them what they can see. Yeah. Tell them what they can't see. He said, if yeah. you're calling radio, Brett, as you know, yeah. you can, you got to explain everything. But when you're on TV, you can't say that 12 past the 13, yeah, past yeah, the 14, yeah. you scored in the corner. Um, give them a reason why. So when they look back at the replay, they go, well, I didn't see that. Now I know more about yeah. the game. So, yeah. Um, yeah, hopefully we can bring that back to people who are watching. How, how so much... How much, how much work do you bring bring yeah. in? Like, uh, yeah, I was going to say, well, how many you know preloaded stories or background do you come in with? Um, you, you probably and everyone's a little bit different. You know, I do about three or four hours of you know research, and we get some, we get a lot of stats and a lot of notes, and and you can put all that on a couple of pages. But Brett, you've seen your notes and your highlights and players, and you got yeah. you know some few whether they're you know where they're born or some interesting stories about them, but. A lot of the times, I, I find the best the best games that you commentate on is that you only use probably ten yeah. percent of the stats or information yeah. you have on the players because the only time you're having those stats there is if there's an injury and someone gets stretched yeah. off, off and you have to sort of you know stretch for a period of time. Bill, yeah, so, yeah, exactly. So Harry, it's probably, the same one. It's it's, a, it's the same on pods actually. You know, I have a long list here. I had like. Uh, Tim Horan never needed a scrum cap because his hair was so thick, and I haven't really mentioned that yet. <laughs> it's it's true. It's true though. You you go into a game with all these little tidbits and all that, and you, and you'll you'll use maybe one or two of them. It's it's always yeah. it's always the way. Yeah. It's always. And the I way. think the good ones too are about the stories of not just where they went to school, but how they started in rugby, and uh, yeah. maybe there's a story about their mother at their. The Pacific Islands now are 46% of the game in rugby. So there's always stories of their culture yeah. and their parents coming out or uncles and I. So, and we try and give that to the viewer to give them mm. a bit of insight into the game. One of the things that you guys on stand uh, this year and last year, but particularly this year, have been really strong on is, is trying to get your mouths and tongues around the Polynesian pronunciations. How much work are you guys putting into that? Each, each, each year. Yeah, a lot of work, um, and we also get you get you get people that tell us, okay, this is how you pronounce it. But the best way to get it is actually from the player themselves. Yes, they, of course. They record it to video to us. You know, like you know, like three years ago, Marika Corabetti. That's yeah. how you pronounce his name. And then eighteen months ago, he sends us a video to Sean Maloney and the crew and says it's Marika Corabetti. You know, Corabetti, so yeah. Um, yeah. So we need to make sure that we um, try our best to try and, uh, you know, and then like Matt, Matt Tamua three yep. years ago, yep. uh, two years ago, it's Matt Tamua. Yeah. So, and you got to respect that and make sure yep. you have your best efforts to get it right. Yeah, absolutely. Tim, do you, absolutely. Tim, do you like uh, Horan or Horan? <laughs> Horan. <laughs> well, it was, when, when I first um, played, when I played my first test match, the, the only other Horan that was around was a surfer and his name was Shane Haran. Yeah. So the first couple of years, my name was 
I was going to say, I remember that. I'm sure yeah. I can recall com- a commentary of, of your first few Teslas. Haran, haran, yes. Yeah, yeah. So, that, so I had to go to Gordon Bray after about a year or so and say, Gordon, listen, my family pronounces it Horan. I know there's Shane Haran, who was a world champion yeah. in uh, on the Gold Coast. Uh, I said, but we're not. That. So it's funny because I actually met Shane, Shane Haran about three years ago and I had a great chat with him. On the beach <laughs> there you board. go. And he laughed. He said, he said Tim, you know, our name was pronounced um, Shane Haran until you came along, and now everyone calls me Shane Horan. <laughs> <laughs> Isn't that funny? Isn't that funny? That's that's that it. And here I am sitting here with a, with a name McKay and Mackay and everything. So yeah, it's 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 a whole other thing. No more. Mate, let's um let's let's get into it. We'll start where we start every week. Um, it was a weekend of. Revenge for the Pumas and the All Blacks. What what stood out for you? Oh, I think what stood out for me first of all was the All Blacks. How they were always going to bounce back and so mm. much adversity. Their coach, the players, um, and I think you know you're one year out from a Rugby World Cup. You don't change your coach now. It, it'd be a massive mm. call for the All Blacks, and the only other person that could come into course would be Scott Robinson. But I think Scott Robinson would rather wait until after the Rugby World Cup to take over the All mm. Blacks. But they they were ruthless. Um, that test series, those two matches, similar to last year, though the All Blacks Springboks test matches last year in COVID, of course, it was all in, uh, in mm. Queensland. Um, they were brilliant test matches as well. Um, and then looking at the Wallabies, um, you know, 15 to 16 players out, the 15 to 16 players are your first choice players. So, yeah, pretty much. Dave Rennie said, we, we, we've got to be better. And, you know, I, I agree with that. But still, you, you know, when you lose that many players, Yes, you've got a wider squad, but I just thought Argentina are outstanding. And I yeah. think Brett and Harry, you'd look at you'd look at the top top eight teams in the world now. They could eight could beat first any day of the week. And yeah. if you probably looked at okay, if the World Cup semi-finals on this weekend, France, All Blacks, Springboks, and Ireland, mm. you would probably say, even though they probably don't rank that way. They're the four, and then you yep. got the Wallabies, England, Argentina, Wales. So yeah, it's going to be Scotland, going to be a cracking yeah. twelve months. Yeah, there absolutely is. It's absolute how it all plays out from here is is anyone's guess. Harry, what what stood out for you on the weekend? And you still got an angry look on your face. So I think I know what's coming uh, here. <laughs> now I'm I'm trying to process my feelings. Uh, so I mean, so one thing that I did look at that was interesting was the cards didn't really have the effect that the that some people say so mm-hmm. in the all, all blacks uh springboks match for example uh it was a no no after 20 minutes with a card and plenty of uh goal line try line defense and mm-hmm. no scoring in the very end uh springboks were ahead at 73 minutes but lost it with the all blacks one man down yeah. I'm not saying that that means that cards don't help you. Of course, they don't help you. But uh, it's it's too much to say, oh, the, the game is over or, or one card and, and it's 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 done. These teams are ready to prepare to play with 14. Rugby is not a game that uh, is so simple to say, oh, we have one man overlap, so we win. Um, and, yeah. you know, you just don't know. So I, I think that's an important lesson. Um, you know, I think maybe it's about coaches making adjustments they shouldn't have made. Other coaches like Checker made some very, very nice adjustments with the yeah, kicking game. Um, and he, you know, he won that coaching duel. And at some point, Australia must be sick of ex Wallaby coaches beating them. <laughs> so, well, uh, you know, it's, yeah, it's, yeah. it's, it's a, hor- a horrible year for that kind of uh, you know comeback and 
and I think Checker said it was mixed emotions, but I'm sure it was also quite vindicating for him, you know, I'm, as well. I'm sure, I'm sure he had a moment to himself where he just went, <laughs> All right, this is actually pretty good. Yeah. Look, it was a yeah. oh, it was a frustrating weekend as a Wallabies fan, that's for sure. And and you just wonder how they can go from you know, having uh, clawing their way back into the contest of Mendoza, regaining the lead and running away with it to just being completely off in just about every aspect uh, this week in, in San Juan. So Tim, what do you, I mean, where, where do we, where do we start? What, how, how do you try and sum up this, uh, this Wallabies tour of Argentina? It's polar opposites is the word I, I keep coming to. Yeah. And it's the, 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 a lot of people look at, I suppose when you when you when you, when you get beaten and how poorly you play, but then you got to look at the opposition. I like to flip it because the way that now these other nations have grown, you know, whether it's Argentina, whether it's other sides around, even Fiji, um, yeah. around the world, that, and Japan that have grown to a different level. Um, because you look at probably oh, probably not five years ago, but maybe ten years ago, it's always the All Blacks, Springboks, and maybe England, you know. And then the other games, you always you'd probably beat Ireland three 0 in the Test series. But mm. but now the level of rugby has really risen, which is great for the game. And you know, um, you look at the way that Argentina's playing. That Argentina's probably the only team in the world, in my belief, that never look at the scoreboard. They play a similar yeah. style of yeah. game. Doesn't matter what the score is. Um, whereas I think the Wallabies, we we haven't. Even the, in the five test matches we played this year, we haven't started well. In the no, first we have minutes. not. We've always, no. always been behind that first 20. I don't know what it is, but um, mate, I think we've got, in my time in you know, commentating the last 20 years, this is the best assistant coaches that we've ever had, like Scott Wisemetal, Matty Taylor, um, um, Dan, of Dan course, McKellar, um, from yeah. the Brumbies. McKellar. So those three... We've got the best coaching team around, so it's making sure we get the best out of the players. At the moment, I don't think we are, and everyone talks about depth. Yes, we've got depth, but super rugby to test match level is a totally different scenario. Yeah, no, it, it really is. Harry, it was, it was interesting, and you touched on this before, the fact that Michael Checker could get make that adjustment in the Argentinian game plan to go from running at a whole lot in Mendoza to suddenly playing contestable kicks in San Juan um, and it worked a treat. The, the Wallabies didn't see it coming and didn't deal with it over the course of 80 minutes. The flip side of that and the the, the frustrating part, I suppose, for, for Wallabies fans is that he never really showed an inkling to want to change the game plan while he was the Wallabies coach. So it, it was it was curious to see that, to, to be on the receiving end of it, certainly. I mean, so I have watched Checker quite closely for a long time. I think he's an interesting man. Mm. I, I think he grew from his time uh, on TV. I think his analyst days yeah. where he was forced. I think he likes being on TV. I think he likes uh, media and all that. So I think he didn't want to be embarrassed. So he studied more. And now he's coming into the coach setup and he's actually deconstructing teams better. Maybe he did the same thing in Scotland. Um, he's um, I think he's uh, grown in his X's and O's. And I think yeah. also he has some nice people around him. That's a good coaching team. Yeah. Um, and I, look, the fact of the matter is Argentina, when you actually study the lineup and you look at it and you forget that it's Argentina and just look at the, the players and what they're doing in the premiership and the top 14, those mm. are some very salty players. Yeah. That's a strong, loose forward trio. It matches up with anyone. Their hookers are just as good as anyone. Uh, we had a question mark around their locks, but they both have stood up. Alamani, yeah. Lavanini, 
Yeah, so I think you have to look at them as a serious player. As Tim says, in the World Cup, you wouldn't really say it's a shocker if they make the semifinals. I mean, they're going to be in the quarterfinals almost certainly. And I could see them shocking someone and getting... Well, it could be the Wallabies. It could could be Australia. They play in a quarterfinal next year. It could be a preview, yeah. Which could be interesting. Well, Tim, you can probably speak to to, to Czech's TV work. You would have seen him uh, hovering over the big analytical desk there what, what what's he like to work with he's good yeah he uh, he really watches the game he, he probably a bit like he watches what's happening before it happens and he tries to yeah. analyze where he thinks the opportunities are and and I think Harry you're right I, I think um, what I've seen with Michael Checker that uh, I mean the world the world cup in 2019 and prior to 2019 I think where Michael Checker started to go downhill as a coach and started to and this is not a this is not a um, uh, saying Michael Cech. Michael Cech is a very good coach. But that 2016 series against England, Brett, you remember that? We mm. lost 3-0 against yeah. England. Michael Checker, um, and also in 2019, tried to run everything behind the 22. We're going to play attacking rugby. It's going to be a brand that everyone's going to love to come and watch. Yeah, That's fine because he was trying to compete against AFL and league and trying to bring more people to watch Test Match fully with the gold jerseys on. But... It, it just at test match footy, there's a balance to it. I think he's yeah. probably found that balance yeah. with Argentina now. When to kick, when to run, uh, the right opportunity, and and the players are, are following it. So I think he's learned, and you keep learning as a as a player, as a coach, what to do and what you learned a couple of years before. And, and I reckon if Michael Check had changed his game plan for the Wallabies, mm. we would have easily made semi-finals in that World Cup in in 2019, rather than getting beaten by England, which we trying to run from behind the 22. Yeah. The players didn't know whether to run or kick. And they're trying to play this expansive game. So, um, yeah, checks evolved. Yeah, no, there's no no doubt about that. Um, it's a it's an interesting situation. The Wallabies find themselves in the list of unavailable players. And I'm sure you've seen it, Harry. It actually makes for a genuinely good 15 with players in position. That's only a, a scrum half the injured 15 is lacking. It, dare I say it, it might even give the, uh, the raw boars... 15, a bit of a, a bit of a run for the money. And we'll see whether Tim Horan can force his way into the starting side by by podcast end. They could get eight or nine players back for the for the box in a few weeks. Tim, is it is it is it that simple? Is is it that big a difference that, that they could make? Well, I think Noah Lolasu, I just can't understand. Like I thought he performed really well against England. I thought mm. he really grew. I think he grew with the Brummies this year. And there must be a reason why they haven't picked him against Argentina. Maybe they wanted to give, you know, Quaid and James O'Connor that opportunity. Um, yeah. But for Noah, you got to pick and stick with him. Like, I think, you know, I love James O'Connor as a player on the field and off the field. I think Noah's your future. Noah's um, your 10 mm-hmm. for Rugby World Cup. Um, you know, Quaid, obviously, with his Achilles injury, he'll come back. Um, but you'll come back two months, maybe if you're lucky, three months before a rugby world cup, yeah. haven't played any footy. So, yeah, and age oh, 35. In, in my, that's right. So, in, in my view, I mean, we're very short on tens in yeah. this country, and we haven't we haven't grown tens, we haven't found the Aussie 20s tens and brought them through. So, Noah's our man, and I think we've got to try and pick and stick with someone like a Noah and Nick White or mm-hmm. or and that centre pairing, um, find the right centre pairing. and We've seen the chop and change a bit. I know we have to because of injuries, but yeah, Adelaide Oval will be a will be an inter- interesting one against the box. Yeah, 
and uh, one Harry Jones will be will be there at the Adelaide Oval to see to see the box. The incredible part about Noah Lolaseo, Harry, is that he's played twelve tests, five of them are against New Zealand, four of them against England, three of them against France. So that's that's his twelve tests. So he's not played Argentina, he's not played South Africa, he's not played <laughs> Scotland. Yeah. He, he, it's like he he's just copped the top teams at, and uh, at the top of the game. It's a brutal apprenticeship, isn't it? Yeah. Uh, you know my feelings. I think the best ginger flower from the world, Tane Edmed, should be in there. <laughs> I just think he's made of uh, stronger stuff. I'm not knocking Noah. I just think that mm. there's a way to get to him. Um, so I'll say this uh, to Tim's point and also your point, I think. Some coaches are looking at these two years purely as preparation for the World Cup. And so they are doing experiments with people and players and making selections that are somewhat puzzling, resting players they wouldn't normally rest. In South Africa's case, throwing a two-cap Joseph Dweba in against the All Blacks on yeah. the decider when, you, when it doesn't make any sense. But it does if you look at the minutes played and how many minutes you have left and um, and what some coaches believe the World Cup, um, how, how the importance ranks. For, in contrast, like Ireland plays every test like this is – the final test. Yes. Johnny yes. Sexton has to max it out. I don't care if I'm peaking. Yeah. Maybe we don't even get to the semifinals again. Doesn't matter. Wales, same thing. Thousand caps, 10 lions on the yeah. field. Alan Wynne Jones in it's his last in. dying gasp. Yeah. And yeah. so I think South Africa and Australia are, are looking a little bit, uh, you know, past this moment and looking at what they can do. And I think that's fair. I think Czech is doing the same thing with, um, some of the decisions he's had, the fly-off, you know, that a winger, you have, yeah. you have, you yeah. know, Patty sitting. So I think, I think it's it's hard to know how seriously these coaches take the rugby championship as a championship, but maybe it's more as a preparation for 2023. Mm. And being this time so, of year too, it's there's probably something in that. And and I do wonder, and I, and I thought about it as soon as Ian Payton said it last year. He said last week he said, "Don't rule out James O'Connor playing," and I. I just wondered at the time and the way the game's played out now, it sort of fits the narrative. I wonder if this was a chance for or this, or what if this was them giving James O'Connor enough rope? All right, let's see what you can do. Well, it's the same what happened with Dwayne Vermeulen is yeah. I think they thought, yeah. we don't know if you're really going to make it to the World Cup or not. Yeah, you know, so previous Ross legs maybe. So you have a really good like Ellis Park, All Blacks, go. Yeah, knock yourself out. Yeah, yeah exactly right. Ten's going to be a, a position of conjecture, Tim, until um, uh, yeah, probably until you know the Wallabies are either win the World Cup or they're no, no longer in it next year. Fullback seems to be other, the other position of note, and, yes. and it feels like it's a it feels like it's a cursed position this year. There's been the, the casualty ward of fullbacks is getting pretty thick. What's your what's your feelings around that? Tom Wright did pretty well in Mendoza, but didn't have a great time of it in, in San Juan. Um, the Jordan Pattaya idea is there. Andrew Kellaway gets back and then suddenly old Kirtley J. Beal might be there in the background. It's interesting, isn't it? Because if you want to play, if you want a guy that um, is, is solid under the high ball, not going to lose you a test match, probably not going to win you a test match, but I tell you what, you put your house on him, um, Rhys Hodge. Um, yeah. Because, mate, when he kicks 50, 55 metre penalty goals in those really tight test matches, really good under the high ball. Um, and he, he had a terrible first six or seven weeks of the Super Rugby. I've never seen him mm. play as bad. And I dropped him a text and said, mate, keep your head up and just keep going. You'll get there. And Australia A and came in. So 
Will they pick him? I don't know, but he's he's, he's a safe bet. But yeah, yeah, there's. I think Tom Wright can can develop into a very good fullback, and I like his attacking atmosphere that he brings to the game. So um, it's just that balance, and I mean, everyone has an off game or two. You know, that's yeah. just what happens in Test footy and players around you. That happens, but yeah, these next two Test matches are going to be crucial. And to Harry, to your point, you look at coaches. Oh, I think coaches have a little bit of an eye on Rugby World Cup, probably not as much as what they used to, because you play, say you play 12 test matches a year, you're playing 48 test matches in between Rugby World Cups, and that's mm. that's someone's career. So yeah. um, players players want to keep playing test matches. They don't want to be rested. And you look at someone like a Michael Hooper, what's happened to Michael Hooper, the amount of test matches that he's played, and it's probably more not the test matches he's played for Michael Hooper. I don't know what the situation is, but I would say it's time away from home that's really gone yeah. against Michael Hooper being away from his new wife and baby and, and things like that where it takes its toll. Yeah, and if there's something going on at home, that could easily start wearing him down. I mean, there's certainly a bit of talk, there's certainly plenty of suggestion for the likes of you know Jock Campbell, but I think throwing a, throwing a rookie fullback in against... The box in Adelaide and Sydney—that'd be, that'd be risky. That feels like it'd be a big risk, even for a Queenslander team. And I know you're, yeah. you're not above promoting Queenslander, yeah. really. No, no, I like, I like Jock Campbell. He's been very good, yeah. and he looks—he's he, a bit like Stephen Larkin. You look like yeah. when you play yeah. him, you can actually cut him, cut him in half, and snap him in half, and, and he just all of finds a his way through. Yeah. You, and you sort of catch, and you're catching air. So, but a Test match level, you need to have some size about you, and that's um, that's going to be important. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see how they go. It'll be interesting to see whether Andrew Kellaway is fit. Uh, I mentioned Kurtley Beale. There's a bit of suggestion that maybe Bernard Foley is being considered. I mean, I don't know. Kurtley Beale at least is going to play for the Waratahs next year, so that's a bit of a signal of intent. But I don't know. I'm, I'm going to take a bit of convincing on 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 though, particularly Bernard Foley. I, I I can't see what Bernard Foley gives the Wallabies right now. Other than experience, uh, the way he plays the game. See, I think, I think realistically, you stay with your back three that you got. Yeah. Uh, unless Andrew Callaway shows something and come back in, maybe Andrew Callaway sits on the bench and plays the second Test match against the yeah. Springboks in Sydney. But I think, you know, you look, you got to try this allowed. That that try gets allowed, James O'Connor, another try. All yeah, of a sudden, you're in Jordan front. Tires, and that scoreboard, yeah. scoreboard pressure flips. And all of a sudden, your back three looked okay. So, yeah. you know, um, I would be sticking with the back three that there at the moment. Yeah, yeah, I would think so. And Harry, I can imagine the box would be uh, would be just looking at that Argentinian tape and go, "All right, well, we're just going to kick this week." <laughs> yeah, no, I think you have to solve problem one against the box. You have to defuse bombs. Um, I actually have always thought Andrew Kelloway was a very clever player. Yes, <clears throat> I think he shows shows well against the box. I think. He's the kind of player that, you know, I think could could do well. Tom Wright, um, for all his of his strengths, I think he kind of plays into some of the what the box want, which is they want you to make, they want you to try to do too much. So yeah. sometimes sometimes you need to catch, uh, kick, catch, kick, catch, and then on the seventh time, you finally make your break. Uh, that's what the All Blacks did. They played clever, actually. They really, I mean, Jordy Barrett just boots the ball. Exit, mm-hmm. exit, exit, exit. And then the 73rd minute, they had a break. Yeah. So, yeah, I would wonder a little bit about Tom Wright against the snaffle defense. Look on your arm is going to, you know, looking for that. 
Uh, Andrew Kellaway's never put a foot wrong. I mean, Korobeti, you know, walks into the team, first guy written down, that's fine. But I don't know if he's such a good highball diffuser. So, yeah. He, I, he has been better than, than what he showed on the weekend, I think. I, I don't. I don't think he had a yeah, good time. Yeah, but he ca- he catches the ball in his hands away from his body. I yeah. don't think he uses the actual uh, swivel. There's some things about his technical game. I think he's mm. a wonderful athlete and just, you know, brave as a lion. But there's still some things you can still do with uh, Marika that yeah. are, have to be worked on. Tim, you were always a very consistent player. We talked about inconsistency. Why? I don't remember you having a lot of off games. You could be sick, tired, injured. You still played well. What? What did you bring to the game to force the inconsistencies out? I think it was just week in, week out. You didn't want to miss a tackle. You wanted to carry strong. And I think just individually and also as a team, like individually, I went into every game not wanting to embarrass myself or family. And and I, I came from a rugby league background. I played rugby league all the way up to sort of under 12, under 13. And, and defence was really important. So... You know, if I missed the tackle, I was so dirty on myself, and I think it was just being consistent at training. But also, you want you wanted the you wanted the fans to, you know, you wanted to walk off the field or the next day, and fans to be proud of you playing in that gold jersey. I think, you know, play, players aren't running out there to throw a poor pass or miss a tackle, yeah. but the the speed of the game now is so much quicker than when I played. Um, I know the scrums were quicker when we played, but the sp- actual speed of the game, <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, and the and the pace and the, and the physicality is huge, Harry. So I just think just you know had this personal pride more than anything else. Mm. You had you had the yeah. great benefit of playing so many of your tests with Jason Little on your outside and. Uh, and Dan Herbert to finish, and and you know, obviously Larkham on the inside for a lot of it. You know, you had Lyon on the inside as well. So you didn't. The team wasn't chopping and changing anywhere near as much as it is at the moment, too. That's that's obviously no, big no. And I think that was good for fans too. Fans knew yeah. exactly who was going to play. They, yeah. Especially in the early early nineties. But you look at the early nineties. You had two teams to pick from in New South Wales. And yeah, true. True. Um, and and then then the Brumbies came into it sort of later on. So yeah, but that. That pick and stick, and it was very rarely I'd leave the field. You'd be on there for 80 minutes. Mm. Um, I remember, but I just I just turned 19 and sat on the bench for the Wallabies for the British and Irish Lions series, and did not yeah, come right. onto the pitch at all. I, and I was sitting next to Bob Dwyer and all those guys. And I'm, I'm sort of looking at Bob, going, "I'm going to get a chance to go." The only chance you got to go on the field if someone got stretched off. So I sat there as a 19 year old with Scotty Goulet playing. I'd room with Scott mm. Goulet, and. and in those matches, you never got a chance to go on. Nowadays, you know, everyone gets on the field yeah. as, a, as a run. They were only four man benches when you debut. I'm making, uh, it, I'm making it. I'm making it sound like you played when it was black and white TV, might, Tim. Yeah, <laughs> it might have been five or six. Might have been I five. Think, yeah, I think it might have been six, three fours. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, yeah but it was it, but. but... But it was interesting because they were not always used. And even uh, yeah. six years ago, five years ago, that was the same with the 23. And you look at the stats now, just from the Springboks, which I know better, uh, they're, the bench is being completely used in every match. Um, yeah. And it's resulting and in a little bit lower lower minutes, right? I mean, Etzebeth has 365 minutes out of, out of possible 400 in this year. That's sky high for a forward. But you look at the other ones, and it's 200, 150, 180. Mm. So they're having, they're doing a lot of cycling, um, yeah. you know, w- with it's, next it's year in mind. But also, um, the tournament's brutal, so you have to, yeah. you have to pl- yeah. platoon. Yeah. yeah, and it's probably something that world rugby probably won't change. But I think that you know, if you've got what have we now got, sort of eight, eight on the bench, I think you should only be allowed to use four. 
Um, yeah, right. Bench, so you get that you get that fatigue factor. But there's so much about you know the the player welfare now and the knocks the players are getting. Mm. I don't think they'll go back that way and change it. Tim, yeah. are you Tim, are you saying you you would name eight, but you'd only get to use four, like a like a soccer yeah. thing almost? Oh, okay. Yep. Yeah. That's not yep. a bad thing. And then that brings brings in the fatigue factor. But yeah. I don't see world rugby. The world rugby won't change. Now, one one thing that I wouldn't mind seeing for us in Super Rugby because we keep going back to we're competing against NRL and Aussie Rules to get you know people to watch on Stan Sport or Channel Nine or go to the games is is that I think we should keep altering our laws down under to make the game more adaptable and quicker. So scrum, maybe a scrum clock. So 20 second to pack a scrum. Yeah. If it collapses, you only get one chance to to reset. And it's a free kick. The free kick, yeah. you can't take a scrum. It's tap and go. And I think that would quicken the game up because fans in Australia uh, are used to AFL moving really quickly. Rugby league doesn't virtually have a scrum anymore. No. Um, moves really quickly. We don't want to get to that level, but because scrums and lineouts, there's always a competition for the ball in rugby. But I think we've got to get to a stage to quicken the game up because people are getting frustrated with the stoppages. Rugby on the roar. Tim, we're always expecting a bit of a response out of out of New Zealand. Um, I think they were still surprised that they weren't able to get back into that first test, but my goodness, they certainly came back and 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 won that game at Ellis Park very well. Well, I think the big call was putting Richie Mwanga into the team. I, yes, you know, I was surprised exactly. he wasn't wasn't there earlier against you know Ireland and like like they've got so many players to choose from the All Blacks. You got in the Barrett boys, but um, they persist um, with Geordie Barrett at fullback. I'd probably have Bowden Barrett there and Richie Mwanga at, at ten. Then Bowden can come up, but I think Richie Mwanga. I reckon his his depth is a lot more measured compared to yeah. Bowden Barrett. Bowden's always flat, always wanting to attack yeah. the line. Um, and a bit of an individual player, which is great, but Richie can sit back a little bit, throw the ball out the back. Uh, can choose his moments. Yep. And I thought that was a, a good call. And, you know, I think Richie's probably going to stay there for the next couple of weeks. Yeah, I think you, I think you may well be right. The, the whole Ian Foster situation just continues to boggle the mind. Um, he... Right at this point in time, it's it's his future is far from secure. Mark Robinson, CEO of New Zealand Rugby, called that bizarre press conference on Sunday that basically said, "We've got nothing to say. But we're going to do this all again in a week." I mean, it sort of shows to me, and, and I don't know whether you guys think the same thing. It shows to me that this whole the whole benchmark that they put, they wanted to see at least one win in in, in South Africa. That was a that there, there was there's no there was no merit to that because clearly it, the results haven't made any difference to the situation over there. How how are you reading it, Tim? Well, I think hopefully I don't think he's lost the dressing room. I don't. No, you you see not. a lot of a lot of players coming out and supporting him. So um, you know, losing your assistant coaches is hard. But to tell you what, you know, you're 12 months out from a Rugby World Cup. It's a big, big call to be oh, yeah. able to change your coach and you can still do it because they've got a pretty good squad that anyone not anyone can coach them you've got to know what you're doing but um maybe maybe there's some question marks from some senior players i don't know i'm obviously not close enough to it but maybe they're waiting for the all blacks to get back to new zealand have a decent chat to ian foster rather than trotting rather than cutting your coach while you're overseas back in new zealand talk about it be a bit measured about it it's a 
you know, it's one of the biggest roles in, you know, world sport coaching. Yeah. All Blacks. So yeah. I think that they'll take their time if they're going to do it. But Harry, we've, we've both called it a public relations failure on, on any level. Even if all of that's true, why on earth would you call a press conference on Sunday to say nothing? I mean, normally it's so tidy, right? For 80 years, yeah. New Zealand has been the gold standard in how you manage your nation's sport, your crown, you know, jewel, uh, the unifying. And it's like they've just shot themselves in the foot. It's a circular firing squad. Um, mm. There's analysis to do here. Jason Ryan, as a forward coach, replaced uh, Plumtree. And that facet of the All Blacks game got better from test one to test two and it looks yeah. like that was a big change so why not think about that and talk about that there's stuff, there's stuff they can talk about right now mm. i mean i don't know why it's so cloak and daggers and mystifying so you know you would think new zealand you know new zealand would come out and say we we fixed that part of it good mm. uh, don't like it that we had we're 15 mil and then we were down 21 23 with seven to play um yeah, and, a, and a card so maybe there's you know some stuff to talk about there but but like as Tim says, the players seem to understand this coach. They they like him. Um, he had he must have st- stuck with Plumtree too long, maybe. Um, and maybe on the Richie Mwanga is a good example of how maybe he sticks too long with things that mm. are not working. I don't know, but I just don't think that it does anyone any good to come out and keep saying we think he might be our coach, but we're not sure. Uh, okay, go on. You know, yeah. it is, it's horrible. It it seems to cut him off at it the was- knees. It, it was it was it was bad enough when they were asked whether Ian Foster was the man to take the All Blacks forward, and the and the response came back, he's the man for the South African tour, and those even even those hollow words have proven to be more hollow again. It's 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 crazy. What about the one what about thing? The, the one thing they left out was that the board's got total confidence, <laughs> and, they, and they still haven't said it. They he still hasn't even given him the full support of the board. Yeah. It's it's quite yeah. surprising. Uh, Harry Harry, what about the box? Did they you feel like they they pulled the wrong levers? there in, in Johannesburg? Yeah, I mean, so it's it's not it's not horrible, right? The first test was the box played better than the All Blacks in the first test. Yeah. There was a, more a gap there, you know, holding the three points until the end. Uh, they were definitely in the Ellis Park test. A couple of things go differently. I'm never going to talk about refs. We uh, we are rusty, disqualified no. from ref, ref talking for at least 10 years. <laughs> but uh, it's a very difficult test to, to ref, I will say that. And yeah. If anyone anyone watched it neutral again, they would see five or six plays where they go, "Oh, it could have gone a different way," and the whole yeah. match is different. So I would I would say, yeah, they're in the match. But the Dweba selection, the Fumulan selection, uh, Jesse Creel hanging out of the wing, it just smacks of arrogance. It it's mm-hmm. uh, we're not good en- we're not good enough. As to Tim's point, the top six teams, I would say maybe not eight, the top six teams can all beat each other all the time. Yeah. So you cannot. There's little tiny margins. They, they really do matter. And, you know, Moonga in suddenly changes the All Blacks. That's mm. one player. That's one switch. Mm. Barrett is not a Palooka. So uh, imagine the difference between Joe, Joe Dweba as two-cap hooker with a – he doesn't even start for his French club and he's a very mm. bad lineup thrower. You put him against Sam Whitelock, um, Scooter Barrett, Barrett, and yeah. uh, and, and Shannon Frizzell. Yeah. I mean, like, it's the worst possible – yeah, uh, 30 minutes you could experience as a hooker. So I think that's where they will come with that. There's a lot of so Jacques Nidaber is under a lot of pressure. His description of why he said it's privileged. He said it's a rugby decision, it's privileged. 
okay, you know, the South African media, they all went crazy and mm. said, what do you mean it's privileged? <laughs> You're our coach for our country. You tell well, us why. Joe, commercial Joseph incompetence? <laughs> that's, so that's here's, a, a, here's the next plot, though, for Adelaide. Uh, Mbongi and Banambi's injury is worse than they thought. So yeah. it's going to be Dweba again. Uh, there's Dion Fari, who's a flank uh, hooker uh, cover. So you're going to have to decide whether Marx is the start, starter or not. And I think it's obvious to everyone in the whole world except for yeah. you know, the, the box coaches. So so the box named the 34-man squad for Australia. There was just the one uncapped player, I think, from memory. So it was, it was largely unsurprising, wasn't it? Yeah, it's not. I mean, Evan Ruiz, everyone's you know, darling favourite, the US, URC player of the year, didn't make the trip. Uh, there's a big, you know, soap opera about that. You know, he's he's a tough guy. He's kind of a big personality. Maybe he's not meshing. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, the other big decision, I guess, I suppose, is um, at scrum off. Like, is Fafta Clerk going to be the guy against Australia, or are we sticking with the the new find, the discovery, the it boy, uh, Jaden Hendrickson? Mm-hmm. So that's going to be an interesting selection. Yeah, will be, will be. Um, Tim, before we let you go, we better um, make it make a decision here. Rugby championship predictions from here. How, how do you see these last four games playing out? Who wins it? Yeah, I think the Wallabies will t- pick up definitely one against the Springboks. Um, yeah. Springboks are a totally different team. To Away from really, home. Yeah. To Australia yeah. Over the years. You look at, and, and like probably when you asked me at the start, what, what did you think of the, the last couple of weeks? I, the biggest plus and the biggest um, was the crowds in South Africa. Like those yeah. two test matches, Incredible. that's like the old days. Like, you know, the Springboks win that 2019 Rugby World Cup, don't play any test footy for, I think it was 20 months or something. Yeah. And right. now all of a sudden you're back at home, you know, those Lions matches when there was no crowds and and you look at those two games uh, and Alice Park, the plane going over the top, like rugby Twice. totally back in. There yes, was two flyovers. <laughs> it was incredible. Only in South Africa could, yeah. you, could you do that. Um, imagine yeah. trying to do that in Sydney. Um, oh, my God. So, yeah, I think that, that was impressive. So I can see the Wallabies, if they get a couple of players back, uh, I think they would have learned from what happened in, in Argentina. I think they'll definitely win one test match against the Springboks. Then you look at the All Blacks. Um, they could beat the All Blacks, um, definitely beat the All Blacks um, yeah. Uh, in, yeah, in in Melbourne. That's an opportunity. But then you play them in Auckland and, you know, who knows? Oh, holy moly. How do you see it playing out from here, Harry? Yeah, so history says it's the box usually drop one. It's, it's usually... Uh, actually, uh, yeah, I'm going interu- to interrupt you here. What is your track record watching the Spring Box live? Uh, very good, actually. Oh, uh, shit. Yeah. <laughs> and I, so I, I went over for the, the Wellington match in 2018. Yeah. But I know I was there for the 2011 quarterfinal in the Cake 10. So I've got a mixed record. But no, in, I've never watched a game in Australia. So I'm I'm a virgin. Okay. Uh, it's going well, to be good. Let's Adelaide hope you don't watch a win. Is, is where we start. <laughs> yeah. I know. I think, yeah. I, think, I, think, I, think, I think everyone can beat everyone. Uh, Argentina will run out of gas by the end of the rugby championship. I just think that the depth issue will catch them. Uh, mm. If Australia gets its players back, I could see them taking the All Blacks, you know, split one on one, like some That'd said. be nice. That'd be nice. It could come down. To, it could come down to bonus points now. I think this it is could. actually a very strange year. And then, mm. and, and Argentina could spoil someone. Like, like right when yeah. you think you have it, they could take you out. Uh, yeah, this is an interesting year. Could be very interesting. Could be very interesting, mate. Tim, it's been fantastic to uh, to, to, to talk to you. We haven't we haven't bumped into you for a few months now. Hopefully, we'll do that again before the end of the year. But um, 
thanks for uh, thanks for breaking the podcast duck for the first time in a long time. <laughs> yeah, thanks, guys. Thanks for having us on, and uh, well done on what you do for the game. And yeah, hopefully we can get more people to not just follow Super Rugby and, and the game, but get to know some heroes like Tanya Tupo and Michael Hooper and these players. And you know, kids can look up to some heroes. So um, yeah, thanks for having us on, guys, and um, look forward to uh, a week and a half's time when the Springboks come out. And we host them in Adelaide. Yeah, yeah. Watch yeah. out, watch out for my uh, for my for my steam co-host. He'll be he'll be he'll be finding you in Adelaide, no doubt. Hopefully, there, hopefully the party pies are hot down there. <laughs> <laughs> and also, you'll be on the team sheet. Watch the team sheet for the raw boars. Yeah, yeah. I think yeah, you'll, I will definitely. Yeah, I think we'll I think we'll squeeze him in there somewhere. The raw. Harry, great to have Tim Horn on on the podcast. Uh, really, really enjoyable chat. I knew that would be that would be a, a lot of fun. Uh, tell great me, guest. yeah, yeah, and we've been blessed with uh, with guests, which we'll which we'll come to in a, in a second. Uh, two games, two rounds in the rugby championship. What's been the big takeaway so far? You know, the way I can put this is a story that actually unites the first two rounds of the rugby championship, as well as um, our increasing. Uh, breadth across the world in ratings, you know. So as a as a primary sk- primary school boy, I had a teacher, Nancy Cameron Dow, shout out, who when you got in trouble in her class, she would make you do 60 facts. And the 60 facts were 20 geography, 20 history, and 20 science. Mm-hmm. I was always in trouble. I got in trouble all the time. So I was routinely going home and having to write, the capital of Botswana is Gaborone. The capital of Lesotho is Maseru. The capital of Swaziland, Mombaban. So I was doing the capitals, and that's what reminded me of the all the countries that were breaking breaking into in Norway and Sweden and Germany. But so I get tired of that because I was always in trouble in doing these facts. So one uh, break, uh, term break, I said I'm going to sit down one day and write about a hundred of these sheets. I'll do all. It was before copies and mimeograph and all that stuff. So I was writing all day. My mom was like, "What's going on?" I'm writing my sixty facts, but a hundred times. I had a stockpile of them. So I went to school the first day and I just was smacking somebody, just smashing somebody, <laughs> picking up desks. Like, I don't care. I'm impervious. It's like I have a special get out of jail free card. And then I got, I got in trouble, of course. And then Sri Cameron Dow, she said, Harry, 60 facts, but I want every word to be in a different color. <laughs> All my preparation was lost. Oh, that's and fantastic. And the lesson is for the rugby championship, is these coaches that are actually using, you know, the last game. Oh, we're going to do this this way. Yeah. And then someone switches it. Michael Checker says, you know what we're going to do? We're going to become the kicking yeah. team. Have you ever seen a Checker team be a kicking team? Never. It's never, never. happened. Boom. No one saw it coming. Um, the All Blacks basically said, we are going to meet fire with fire at the, at the, at the scrum, at the mall. And they just took away this thing. And suddenly the Bucks didn't know where to go. Where do we go? What, how do we do this? There's parity at scrum and mall. And so yeah. I think this is the lesson is oh, adjustments, adjustments from game to game. Yeah. No one's good enough to just keep doing what they're doing forever. Yeah. Yeah. That's what it's going to come down to. That's what it's going to come down to. You're, you're right. You're right. Uh, I mentioned at the top, it's been a busy week in a bit, uh, but we have got so many thank yous to everyone. We're continually blown away by the response and the ever-growing footprint of this little weekly chat of ours, as, as you just said, Harry. We debuted at number one in the rugby charts in Finland, Italy, and Zimbabwe just in the last week alone. Um, Zim. In in this last week, we've 
charted in 20 different countries. We sat inside the top 10 uh, rugby podcasts in 10 of those and the top 20 in, a number, in another five. So it just... It's, it's just a massive thank you to everyone who's listened to us over the course of 31 episodes, the instant reactions. Um, it's just, it's fantastic to see that it's gone down as well as it has because 31 episodes ago, Harry, we weren't sure how this would go. <laughs> we didn't know. We had been in a, we had been in a WhatsApp group for seven years and we had never actually talked to each other live. No, so no. it was, we're, we're banking on a conversation that we hadn't really had. That we've never had. Yes, exactly. <laughs> yeah. 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 It, and it, look, it's, and it's been fantastic. It's been, it's been so enjoyable to do. And so, yeah, we just say thank you to, to everyone involved because it just blows us away. Yeah. A little bit of news uh, very quickly to finish, mate. The, uh, the Brumbies, Will officially become the ACT Brumbies again. They've they've added the uh, the Australian Capital Territory back to their name uh, as of well as of now, I suppose, and, and for next year particularly. Uh, Matt Toomua uh, officially on his way to the Mitsubishi Dinobores uh, in Japan. One of the great rugby names, I've got to say, the Dinobores. <laughs> That's Dinobores, Sunwolves, Sun Goliath. It's it's all it's all we, it's all we good. need we need that jersey from Matt. Oh, we do, <laughs> yeah. We're definitely definitely need to work on him for that. Uh Bryce Hegarty will play for his fourth Australian side, signing a one-year deal with the Western Force after returning from Leicester. It's his second return to, to Australian rugby, which is uh, always good to see. The Fijian and Drua have confirmed the signings of prop Masaki Donga from West Club Dragons in the URC and Sevens gold medalist Yosefa Masi for the next two seasons. Separately, the Fijian Rugby Union is conducting an internal investigation with three staff members sacked for alleged financial mismanagement. Uh, and John O'Connor, the CEO, has agreed to take annual leave for the duration of these investigations. So there's a bit going on there by the sounds of it. And uh, former Moana Pacifica and former Brumbies back Solomon Akata has joined or will join the Exeter Chiefs uh, on a one-year deal as well, the Tongan International. Uh, but, mate, that is it. That's episode 31 of the Raw Rugby Podcast done and behind us. Don't forget that Harry and I are both on the socials and don't forget to drop us a line on the Raw when the new episode page lands. Thursday 2-Up is back to sum up the first block of games in the Rugby Championship. And, of course, don't forget to like, follow, subscribe on your pod platform of choice to ensure that every new episode drops into your notifications as soon as it's live. It's the Raw Rugby Podcast with me, Brett McKay, and Harry Jones every week on the raw.com.au, Australia's biggest sporting debate the home of all your favourite international rugby analysis, opinions and conversations. Thanks for listening. We'll be back in your ears next week. Kommen spiel mit wir. That's German. <laughs>